Hello, and welcome to Talking Triple Crown, part of the Kickout 299 Network. I'm Jessie, who is patiently waiting for the Ayagi era to begin. I'm Alicia. And I'm Rachel. February is now over, and it's time to talk about everything that has gone down during all six days of the Excite Series Tour. First thing first, a big thank you to Don Schellenberger for writing and performing the Talking Triple Crown theme song. I think all three of us agree it's absolutely perfect for this podcast. If you are in need of a theme song, I cannot recommend Don enough. We will link his email and theme song information in the description. Another big thank you to everybody for the positive feedback for episode one. It was overwhelming to see everyone's lovely comments and to know people are listening to Talking Triple Crown. It's just going to get better from here. of the Excite Series tour was on the 5th of February. Hometown boy Zeus made his return for the first time since leaving All Japan last year to focus more on his new role as the president of Osaka Pro. He teamed with the bodyguard and Hikaru Mihara against Suji Ishikawa, Ryo Inoue and Teko Omore. It was really good to see Zeus still appearing in All Japan. He looked happy and it was a fun little match. Anyway, got plenty of time. He got beat up a lot by the Osaka Pro Boys, but showed some moves of his own. Even with just a little over a month since his debut, he was really impressive. Zeus does win the match by submitting Anyway with the Boston Crab at 15.06. I think we're going to talk about this a lot during the month of February, but Anyway is so impressive. And it was a joy to get to see him. Um, in these moments with Zeus in particular, being Zeus, you know, being who he is and having that history with All Japan and being a former Triple Crown champion, it was really, really cool to have, see him have his moments with Zeus here. And like I said, I think we're going to talk about him a lot uh, throughout the month of February. Oh, for sure. He's definitely a big standout on this tour. Like I was really impressed. I know last month we talked about him looking good, but I was definitely very impressed with him this month. Yeah, Inoue is great. Like, even the first match he had, I was impressed. He was doing moves that rookies don't generally do. So Mm -hmm. I have big hopes for his future. And a great shade on his tights, too. (laughs) A really nice shade of purple. (laughs) Yeah, so. Ashino, take notes. (laughs) Suki made his second offense against Andy Wu. This match was exactly what you would expect from these two, a fast and flashy match. Sugi won with a fiber slash in eight minutes. Sato, who defeated Aski early in the day, challenged Sugi. Sato has been a fixture in All Japan's June division, but hasn't held a title since 2017. To step back before I talk a little bit about, I guess, Sugi and um, Andy Wu, I loved that Sato and Atsuki match that happened a little bit um, earlier on this card. That actually wound up being probably my favorite match of the tour. Um, I thought this was such a great exchange between both of them. They were so well matched. It gave Atsuki like plenty of moments to shine. Um, and Sato just looks amazing. He's so entertaining. It, they just both got their spots in against each other. And for a very short match, I think it was only about eight minutes or so, 
it's a really great exchange between both of them. And again, it's, it ended up becoming one of my, um, you know, favorite matches of the tour. Um, Sugi and Andy Wu, I, I thought it was fine. It was quick. And um, really the best part for me was that it opened the door for Sato to um, challenge, which, um, you know, was really exciting because I've, I've been wanting to see Sato kind of step back into that sort of role and, and to go for a title for a while now. Yeah, I'm going to second the uh, Atsuki and Sato match really, really hard. That was just a fantastic clash of styles. You could really see Atsuki sort of fighting for his place in the juniors division. Like, he's just impossible not to root for. Like, you really just want to root for Atsuki Aoyogi. And I really want to see him beat the big one or win the big one for the belt. I really, not to spoil what happens later in the month, but I really, really hope that this is working its way up to him fighting uh, the champion. I definitely actually assumed that Sato would challenge after the Sugi Andy Wu, no matter who the winner was. Like I just immediately assumed. And it felt like this match, Atsuki versus Sato had stakes, even though it was never really spoken. So I think that really speaks towards how cool Sato looked and how scrappy Aoyagi felt. So high recommend. Yeah, I definitely have to agree. I like that on Twitter, Atsuki was so determined he was going to win. He was like, yeah, I'm going to win and I'm going to challenge um, the winner of Sugi and Andy Wu. And he lost. (laughs) (laughs) He has dreams. (laughs) They're very big dreams. I was (laughs) hoping that your uh, prediction, Jesse, of Atsuki coming out to challenge um, (laughs) only to be thwarted every single time. um, I would have really liked that, but that wouldn't have made sense in this exact Mm. show because of Sato's victory. So it was kind of like a metaphorical version of that. Like a little bit. He stepped up and he's like, yeah, I'm going to beat Sato and then I'm going to challenge and uh, Sato thwarted it. So we're kind of getting that storyline. We'll see what happens. What I really liked about this though, and I think I mentioned this on the first episode of Talking Triple Crown, I I do often sometimes compare where Atsuki is to where um, Hayato is. And I think Hayato in singles matches, he still comes off a little green, a little unsure of himself, especially when he's, you know, again, in singles matches, one-on-one when the stakes are kind of high. I think that Atsuki, especially in this match with Sato, I mean, it just reminds me that Atsuki is actually ready to step into that role of, of being a champion and of taking a belt and being at the top of the junior division. So this sort of match, it was, it was great to be reminded of that, but also to be reminded of how well Sato can go on to lead this division for quite a while. So I think this match for, for what it is, for being a short match earlier in the month, is very effective at, at getting those things across. Two single matches built towards a world tag team title match. Suwama versus Kuma and Koji versus Ashino. Both were good matches. Doi won clean at eight minutes while Tajiri distracted the referee and Doi hit his lariat for Kuma to pick up the win over Suwama at 10.03. This is where my dread started to kick in (laughs) over the upcoming tag match and what the result of that could be based off of, uh, based off of these matches. But I mean, it's, it's great that they, got the wins in these singles matches, you know, I think that especially with Kuma and um, Suwama, that was a cool match to see for the two of them um, going one-on-one. I thought that Koji Doi looked great in his match with um, Chotaro. So effective for what they were, good tension. They're always good at building that tension before they move into like the actual, you know, event and challenge that they're moving towards. But this is when I started to really question, you know, whether or not Kuma and uh, Koji Doi are actually going to get those titles in the end. 
I think we messaged each other like, well, that's it. They're, they're losing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were, didn't have a whole lot of hope uh, after watching those matches, but they were good matches. They were, you know, short, sweet, and they were, they were fun. Um, Doi and Ashino especially always have really good chemistry together. So. What did you think, Jesse? Did you have a sense of like, did it make you think like, ah, there's still a chance they're going to go over for the tag belts? I mean, like, what were you thinking? Well, I was still 50-50 with this match. Um, I couldn't make up my mind. And especially because one of them won clean and one of them won dirty. I was like, okay, I'm still 50-50. Nothing's really changed. I just didn't like how Tajiri interfered because for some reason he went around to the side of the ring that Doi was going in from. So it was like, why distract the referee like right next to Doi where he's going to run in. But... <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with that one. Uh, not great planning there from Total Eclipse, but what can we do? But I was happy at the end. They stole the belts. They had like a little air guitar session. I love them. <laughs> They'll get them someday. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> anyway, speaking of um, poor planning and referee placement... <laughs> Oh, God. Here we go. Yeah. Let's go ahead and talk about this uh, main event. <laughs> so the main event was Next Dream versus Total Eclipse. And like Rachel said, Yuma was the dumbest wrestler of the day. He was trying to low blow Amori right in front of referee Wada. I don't know. He's just dumb. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> Amori tried to <laughs> kick him in a way that wasn't very nice first. So Yuma just got caught retaliating. <laughs> But they've been doing that for months. I don't know why. They're just trying to low blow each other for like since next dream were tag team champions. It's been going on that long. I don't understand why. I don't know. <laughs> That's what they're doing. Um, this was your classic three-man next dream tag match. A lot of yelling, playing to the crowd, and good wrestling. Kendra defeated Honda with a shutdown suplex at 19.29. I mean, this was good for all the reasons why. I like these matchups and um, it's great for WADA moments. The, the, a lot of these big like next stream tag mains were great for WADA moments on this tour. <laughs> this was like the first of, I think a few that followed. Um, but yeah, this was, this was good. I mean, next stream are really good at what they do in these situations. Like Jesse said, they, they play to the crowd and they're very entertaining. Kento is so loud. <laughs> Kento and Honda continue to be, extremely compelling coming off of the triple crown decision that you know kento just went over him so there's a lot there's still like a very compelling storyline there for kento and honda and i i think that, that we'll see some more of that in champion carnival certainly so yeah compelling overall just a good fun match after the match there was more backstage drama with total eclipse omori was kicking honda for losing the match I am interested to see if that's actually going to mean anything because what we have coming later in the month and going into March doesn't really point towards total eclipse drama, but we'll uh, see. It might just be their uh, dynamic at this point. So still very interesting. It's still very compelling. I think, might, I think things might ramp up when Jake gets back. Yeah, and we have that coming up pretty fast. So. Mm. Day two on the 6th of February was a video on demand show. It was pretty uneventful, but there were a couple of things to talk about. We had a junior tag team title preview with Sato team with Suama to take on Sugi and Suji. Sato had tons of time in the ring, both with Suji and Sugi. He took a lot of offense. It was nice to see Suji and Suama go at it. 
Satori got the tap out victory over Sugi with a cross armbar at 13.33. It was surprising to see the champion lose. My thinking would be a heavyweight pins a junior heavyweight, but I'm not going to complain about a Satori win. That armbar was absolutely brutal too. It mm-hmm. looked so good. Like absolutely just murder. It was fantastic. The main event for day two was kind of a replay of day one. It was another next stream versus Total Eclipse match. Kodama tapped out to Yuma's endgame submission in just under 20 minutes. After the match, Yuma took the mic and declared that 2022 would be the start of the Ayagi era. He said he will go after titles this year, whether it be the Triple Crown or Tag Team title. But you do have to believe the title he wants the most will be the Triple Crown. Last time Yuma and Kento teamed with each other, while Kento was Triple Crown champion, Yuma did portray him. Also, this happened on my birthday, so it was the best birthday present, the start of the Ayagi era. This match was incredible for so many reasons. <laughs> All the shenanigans. Oh, there were so many shenanigans. Oh, I was just yelling at my screen because everyone was so annoying, but I mean, <laughs> like the most fond way that you could possibly imagine. It was just a really entertaining match. I smiled the entire time. It was just so many shenanigans and just Kento at his absolute best. Kento just- and Wada seemed like they were in a good place on the fifth but then by the time we got to the sixth no friendship over so (laughs) short-lived um reconciliation between the two of them but like I said a short-lived indeed but yeah just a another really fun match full of like I said shenanigans I mean it's another good match just for more of that tension between Honda and Kento which you know continues they have great chemistry together it's apparent now every time that they work in the ring so yeah that kind of stuff is really great and it's interesting Jesse that you mentioned that um you know it's you do have to question like are we going to start to see Yuma head down that path of portraying Kento you know this is a going to be an interesting stretch um with Kento now as the champion and maybe what Yuma's aspirations will become as uh, the longer Kento holds it Every time Yuma and Kento are in the ring, I'm scared Yuma's going to portray, uh, portray him again. When he portrayed him the first time, I was so happy. I was like, hell yeah, Yuma, like finally. <laughs> but now I'm just like, please don't do it. Like, stay together, please. <laughs> it always happens that way. <laughs> they get you attached. That's how they get you. Mm. Yeah, we'll see as we're working sort of towards the Champions Carnival at this point. I personally really want to see Yuma win, so... We don't know what that could possibly mean for him and Kento. And I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later as well. Um, So if you wanted to know where the Ayagi era really started, I did write an article that was just released called the dawn of the Ayagi era for 60 minute draw. So if you're really curious, it's about 2021, the first two matches that Yuma participated in, but yeah, it's just where his main event push really started and where people got, started to notice him and think, okay, this guy could be the future of Japan. Day three on the 9th of February, Ren Ayabe and Suji versus Takao Omore and Black Menso Ri. Ayabe and Suji looked like they were having a blast. Suji seemed over his jealousy of being five centimeters shorter than Ayabe. Also, Ayabe did say on Twitter he would like to work more for All Japan. Currently, he's signed to just top out. Black Menso Ri was pinned by Suji at 12-12. After the match, Suji and Iyabi made referee Nikan Lee's life hard by holding their arms up so high she couldn't reach them. Someone definitely needs to get her a stepladder next time she's refereeing these two people. 
Kazuma's first appearance after destroying the Yoshitatsu Kingdom. He teamed with Takayuki to face Tatsu and Raimu in Mai. Mai is only 17 years old and works for Heat Up. He appeared in All Japan last year for Champions Night 2. Kazuma pinned him at 12.45. I'm not very into how they're going about this. I do see Kazuma and friends as the good guys and not Tatsu. But if they did want to go with Kazuma as a bad guy, I don't understand why they don't just give him a Monster Hill run where he wins easily and then give Tatsu his big win at Champions Night 3 or something like that. But it would also be interesting to see how the Japanese fans feel about this compared to the Western fans. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not, I mean, my bias is that I just don't enjoy Yoshitatsu's wrestling, to be honest. So like, I just, I struggle to stay engaged during a lot of the storyline because it just doesn't speak to me. And like you said, like I, I have... I have no ability to view him as the face in this. So I can't, I just can't stay engaged in that way. But I agree. I mean, there's a different way, I guess, to book this to make it make sense, but I'm I'm not seeing it right now. Yeah, it's, it's odd. Yeah, this storyline definitely has not grabbed me. I really don't have uh, much knowledge of what's going on. I don't have any knowledge or attachment at all to Yoshitat's kingdom. So we'll uh, see how it goes and how it shakes up. But I really am not, I'm not thrilled about this one. It's not lighting me on fire. Main event time and Kento and Rising Hayato versus Kobayashi and Deathmatch Dan, aka Dan Tamora. Preview for the Triple Crown Championship, Dan came out with Kobayashi wearing his beanie and joining him in his entrance. It was adorable. Kento was angry, telling Dan to take off his beanie. It was a standard preview match. Dan and Hayato got some great moments together. Kobayashi pinned Hayato after 15 minutes with his own version of Kento's shutdown suplex. Kento and Kobayashi got on the mic after the match and started yelling at each other like children. Dan and Kobayashi closed out the show and once again, it was adorable. Yeah, this was a really good preview match and it's awesome to see Dan working with Kobayashi. They've been really entertaining together. They're very sweet. And it's always nice to see Dan sticking it to Kento because that's just really funny. So I always really appreciate that out of Dan and Kento. Um, But yeah, this was good. A good setup to um, the incoming Triple Crown match. And I do want to say too, in terms of preview matches, the match before it, uh, which was Sato Suwama and Ashino versus um, Amori, Kojidoi, and Kuma Arashi. This preview was really good if you're, you know, invested in Sato and want to see more of him. Obviously, this is where you would go to watch that. It was just really good. So I recommend that if you're just invested in some of those storylines heading into the end of February. Before day four, All Japan Twitter announced the dates for Champion Carnival. It will start on April 9th and continue on the 10th, 11th, 13th, 15th, 23rd, 24th, 29th and finish on May the 4th. No participants have been announced yet, but they did just release the poster for Champions Carnival and it's looking really good. Day four on the 17th of February was another video on demand show. It was a show basically building up to day five, not much to talk about, but a couple of things. Izanaka returned after missing the first couple of shows due to testing positive for COVID. All Asia tag team title match. Hokuto Amore and Yusuke Kodama defend their all-Asia tag team title belts against the Basara pair of Masato Kamino and Takato Nakano. A weird set of challenges for the champions since they did beat them back in junior tag battle of glory in December. In only 11 minutes, these two teams fit a lot in. The Basara team did a good job of looking like real contenders. Omori gets the pin and totally eclipses second 
successful defense. I really, I enjoyed that match. It was, it was short. It was very um, fast paced. Like you said, they really tried to play all the hits there and fit everything in. Uh, it was just, it was good to see. Uh, Yusuke Kodami is, Kodama is a very mean man. It's very enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> He's just very mean. Um, yeah, they, they looked like real heels and the Basara team did a really good job playing these, you know, scrappy sort of baby faces, just really throwing everything they had. It was enjoyable. And I will say from the show, like Jesse said, there's, you know, this is a very standard video on demand show. There's not a ton here, but I did really like Ryuki Honda versus Rio anyway. It's the opener. It's a fairly quick match, but both looked great. Um, Honda ended up on a lot of these sort of opening matches as we progressed throughout this tour. Like he kind of bounced around a little bit, but it was great to see him working with Inoue. They both looked really good. And um, like I mentioned before, at the start of the episode, like Inoue's deeply impressive and it's like he gets better with each show so that's fun to 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 watch if you if you're interested in watching um anyways progress but also you know honda looks really great right now and i did really like that yuma came out with rosin hayato in hayato's ring gear on this show which he could barely fit into and he <laughs> looked very silly so if you want to see that definitely look at um that match but yoshi tatsu was in that match so i wouldn't necessarily <laughs> recommend lingering in there um if you're not a fan but um there was like little moments like that on the show that were pretty good but otherwise you know standard video on demand show for all japan i did like that you most fascinated with how long rising hayato's entrance gear was because he just had like he has like a vest and it's short so he was like flipping the cape everywhere and he was just like getting really into it i loved it <laughs> i just wish he came out with like his face gear as well it would just complete the look, but I guess Hayato didn't have it with him. <laughs> Only for the big matches. <laughs> well, hopefully Yuma might get a get a long cape at some point. I feel like he would. I feel like he should get a nice cloak. Maybe. Yeah. If he betrays Kento. <laughs> he becomes a supervillain. <laughs> Everything he's ever wanted and more. Day five on the 23rd of February was the big show of the month. Kazuma and Tatsu feud continued. Kazuma, Takeyuki, and Tachibana faced Tatsu, Izanagi, and Devil Murasaki. When Tatsu had Kazuma locked in his submission, Aki appeared and pulled out the referee out of the ring. Kazuma rolled up Tatsu, Aki fast counted the three, and somehow that counted. The bell rang, and Kazuma and friends won the match at 8.22. Rachel knows this because I, they unfortunately have to hear me talk about stuff like this all the time, but I don't like this kind of ref interference and this got too silly for me in a way that I I wish that all Japan would realize they're sort of above because there's just this is the sort of thing where like you just throw the match out (laughs) because there's there's no reason for um, anyone to think that like Aki looked like the ref right so that that kind of silliness bothers me and I think it really takes away from the integrity of the matches and when the integrity of the matches gets really messed with it really takes me out of watching wrestling so this this bugged me and like i said before I, i'm not invested in the storyline i uh, it's just not going to work for me and then seeing something like this really bugged me so not a fan to say the least yeah i can't agree with you more i really i liked how aki looked in the ref outfit like he <laughs> he pulled it off very well but uh he definitely didn't look like a referee he looked like a wrestler uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a match. Uh, it had a beginning, a middle, and end, and that's about all that I can really say about it. 
um, I'm with you. It's just not my style. Yeah. Once again, I think we're all in agreement. It's weird because when Purple Haze first started to be a faction, they did this like interference and stuff and it got shut down very quickly. So I don't know why they're bringing it back. Mm-hmm. It just, it's not a good look for Japan. will be interesting to see if they continue at this or if they realize that it just doesn't work and go the way of Purple Haze. Next up, we have the Goro TV title match. Shigehiro Iri versus Asami Kodaka. A good quick title match. The majority was Kodaka targeting the arm of Iri, but Iri fired back the power moves. Things really picked up in the last minute or so, with Iri getting the pin at 10.22. A nice ending as Iri showed respect by bowing to Kodaka, who responded by playfully hitting him on the head. After the match, Iri and Kodaka were talking about becoming a team in all Japan. No challenges yet. But with Champions Night 3 approaching, it's a safe bet someone could step forward to challenge Iri. Sugi versus Hikaru Sato for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. This was definitely Sato's match. He wrestled his style for most of the match and got a lot of offense and was able to reverse a lot of Sugi's moves. He basically twisted Sugi up, holding both legs and arm in a submission. Sugi taps out in just under 10 minutes. Sato is a new Junior Heavyweight Champion. Backstage, Sato said, as long as Hikaru Sato is alive and in an All Japan ring, he is an All Japan junior. He also said, it's not over yet. It's the beginning today. It's not the end. The guy who thinks the All Japan juniors are over, today is the beginning. He will fight for the late Atsushi Aoki. I really enjoyed this match. Um, I thought it was really well done. I thought the finish was really good. I thought they set it up really well. I like this sort of story that they're hopefully going for with just this very simple, almost tight base, like almost a Pokemon battle kind of thing where Sato just always has an answer for these high flyers that everything that Sugi had, he had an answer for. And you saw it again with the Atsuki match where he just has an answer for these high flyers and it really brings to mind this question is the person who dethrones him going to be someone who can fight on Sato's level or is it going to be a high flyer who can sort of find a loophole it's a really simple story but I was really really compelled and him winning I just let out the biggest cheer it was an incredible moment yeah incredible match the right move I feel for Sugi because I really like him and I want him to to work in all Japan, obviously, but this, this new reign just kind of never really got started, I think in a lot of ways. And even in in this match, it seemed he was like a little off at times. And he even did that standing moonsault that was not even really near Sato. That was sort of, that was kind of odd. I was worried that maybe he had gotten like, like knocked a little bit loopy during that part, but it was just very odd. But otherwise, like, you know, I I echo Rachel's sentiments entirely. I mean, I I thought it was a great match. Sato looked fantastic. And then, you know, going into it, you have, you know, the emotion of, of Sato's connection to Aoki. He posted a wonderful picture of himself and mm-hmm. Aoki the day before the match. And you have a lot of that. And then him saluting the rafters afterwards. And it's just, it's an incredible story. And it just makes you really hope that there's going to be some stability in the division moving forward and that he could be the one to bring that because he could make some really exciting defenses if they just let him carry this because he's had the belt before, but he's never been been able to hold it for very long. So you would hope that in him holding it now, he would be able to um, get in several really good defenses and actually bring some stability to this division that really does need it. But 
you know, a big fingers crossed on that. Yeah. I'm just so happy that he won. Like, he deserves it. He's there all the time. He's not even signed to the company, but he shows up. He does the work. He's just really good. And I just love when Sato shows emotions because they're just so real and so raw. And like, you feel it. Like I felt for him when he was saluting in the ring before he left. It was a really emotional in a good way and a sad way because the people who aren't here anymore, but I'm very happy for him. And I hope he is able to lead the junior division. Next up, we have the World Tag Team title match. Runaway Suplex, Salama and Ashino defend their titles against Total Eclipse, Koji and Kuma. This was very good. These two teams work well together. This match followed the same formula as previous tag team title matches by having two men wrestle the second half without tagging out. Ashino and Doi were these two. They went at it. Kuma showed off his insane strength by picking up Suama with ease. Ashino did end up getting the win with a T-bone suplex at 18.26. This was the longest match of the day and one of the longest matches of the tour and it deserved to be because it was great. I never thought I'd be so sad to hear Fuel play. That's it. I just, I literally winced and looked away from the screen uh, when, when he hit it. I was like, yeah, it's coming. And then heard the theme and I was just like, well, that happened. But uh, it was a phenomenal match. Like I really have absolutely no complaints about the match itself. And again, I said before that Ashno and Doi just have enormous chemistry. They always have. And uh, they just gave everything thing is a really good match and like you said it deserved to be the longest one and still not really all that long if you guys are new watchers um any of you listening out there you definitely just pop it on 18 minutes it's worth it yeah just to echo rachel and jesse's sentiments just a phenomenal match it's just tough when it's not quite the result that you want and you sort of get worked backwards into hoping that ashina doesn't have a belt anymore and doesn't win a match, which is a really weird feeling, I think, for all of us. But it really speaks to Kuma and Koji Doi and the strength of their tag team and how well they've been doing and how incredible their character work is that you just really want them to finally go over because they deserve it. So still hoping for great things for those two, still hoping that they'll be able to ride this wave of momentum into some success somewhere. But Definitely a, a match worth checking out on this tour, to be sure. Kuma and Koji are just too good not to have a belt. Like when the stakes are high, they really step up and show what they're worth. Their World Tag League finals against Next Dream was amazing. Like I think they should have won that match. Unfortunately, they didn't, but they just show how good of a team they are and they deserve some recognition soon. After the match, Honda ran down to the ring with a chair and attacked Ashino. He wants a match with him one-on-one at Champions Night 3. They brawled for a bit, and for lack of better words, Ashino beat the absolute crap out of Honda. Yeah, that was incredible. Like, <laughs> he just went in on him. It was it was brutal. It was really, really cool. And I know uh, Alicia's becoming a Honda fan, so it was probably it was very exciting <laughs> for her to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. I, I mean, like... I, I love the chemistry between the two of them. This looked awesome. Ashino looks great when he's mad. So <laughs> this was um, this was a cool segment. This is one to definitely um, stick around for to watch. 
I'm excited for that. This, I mean, their match in the tournament to determine the triple crown winner that we just decided that Kento ended up winning, their match was a, was a standout match. It was, it was phenomenal. So I'm really glad that we're going to continue down that path with the two of them. And it's just, it's just really cool to see Honda in a position where he's got this incredible chemistry with not only Kento, but also Ashino. So we've got some really good storylines coming out of this that are going to continue and take us probably through the carnival. So it's just nice to see that forward momentum coming off of things like that. And finally, in the main event, we have the triple crown match, and it's finally Kobayashi's time. A good promo package before the start. I like the moment where Kobayashi said, start his music. He started playing, but Kento soon interrupts, clicks his fingers, and his music starts playing. The camera cuts back to the arena, and Kento bursts through the curtains. No one really expected this match to be a five-star classic, but I think it exceeded expectations. Kobayashi did come to work. The match did build up slow and started to get fast in the second half with a little bit of comedy here and there, but nothing forced. Kento showed his strength, one up in Kuma, by picking up Kobayashi for a shutdown suplex to win in just over 16 minutes. Yeah, I was surprised by, I guess, the lack of comedy. It was still a pretty lighthearted match, but it uh, wasn't what I expected, but not in a bad way. I had never really seen uh, Kobayashi in, I guess, serious mode before. So it was, it was very interesting. It was a good match, good little match. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I was going to. And I think that this match just speaks to where Kento is as an ace in all Japan, he really led Kobayashi through this match. And it just speaks to his overall strengths as a, as a wrestler. You know, Kento is very effective in this way. He can work with a wide range of people. And it was nice to see this match come together. And I think based on what I was reading on Twitter and other places, I think this match did exceed a lot of people's expectations. So I was really happy to see the positive feedback coming off of it because people were being a little bit negative about it the month before. Even I didn't have the greatest expectations of the match. So it was nice to um, to see this one get pulled off. And it, I think it's a nice start to this reign. And so pretty pleased with it overall. I enjoyed it, honestly. Like, I didn't expect it to be great, but it was a lot of fun. I like that Dan Tamora was at ringside again. He got the beanie on. He had Kobayashi's entrance gear on. And also there were a lot of BJW fans like throughout the month for Kobayashi. Like he brings in the fans and they love him. So, I mean, having him there is not going to hurt or Japan, I don't think. Oh, yeah, not at all. And that's really good to hear. I am glad that uh, he has that, I guess, crossover appeal and bringing people into the promotion because that's really a lot of what they need. And and speaking of his uh, Kento's championship reign, we have his next challenger as well. Yes. After the match, Suji Ishikawa came out to challenge for the triple crown and it has been set for the main event of champions night three. And how did you feel about Suji as his next opponent, Jesse? I'm really happy Suji is facing Kento. I like Suji. I think he's great. I really enjoyed his work this month and last month. He's he's just, yeah, really fun. He's acting like, you know, he's really enjoying it. Yeah, I'm happy he gets a shot. What about you, Alicia? Do you have any pressing opinions on Ishikawa? <laughs> um, I think that Shuji makes sense, given the timing, given that we're right before the carnival. So I kind of expected someone, if not him, someone similar at this stage of things. He wasn't going to get like a big, you know, big main event person, sort of like what Jesse was alluding to. So yeah, I think that this is, you know, a fine challenge. I like their chemistry together a lot. 
Um, so there should be a good match, a good hard hitting match, as Jesse was saying as well. So yeah, not a, not a problem for me. And it makes a lot of sense given the timing and where we are just ahead of the carnival. The last day of the tour, day six was on the 27th of February and it was a video on demand show. Ayato Yoshida returned for the first time in all Japan since Royal Road 2021. He did make it to the quarterfinals in the tournament only to lose to Jake Lee. Today, though, he was teaming with the rural teammate Shigehiro Iri. They defeated the Aoyagi brothers in 12 minutes. Yoshida is looking and acting different since the last time he was in all Japan. It was a competitive match packed full of action. The other two members of Next Dream, Kento and Rising Hayato, take on Suji and Fuminori Abe. Like the last match, this was really great. I love Suji trying to imitate Ayabi and totally failing. Suji has been looking like he's having a ton of fun these last few months, which is great to see. Ayabi pinned Rising Hayato to win in another 12-minute match. And just to know on Kento and Suji, last year they had two singles matches and they each won one. All right, so this one's going to be the rubber match, basically. Yeah, it's a big one. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, no better stakes for a rubber match than the belt. So I'm cool with that. I really loved that match as well. It was just really fun, really great chemistry. And Shuji and Abi was, were just really funny together. Like they made me laugh audibly like several times. And Kento trying to coach Hayato through that entire match is extremely stressful because he's so loud. So... <laughs> be forewarned but otherwise it's it's an incredibly entertaining match uh, it was a really fun preview match and i mean whenever ayabe always comes to all japan it's great so yeah, it was really enjoyable after swama's match he announced for one night only he will reform voodoo murders and take on total eclipse at champions night three he vowed to show jake lee what a real heel look like this uh has caused a bit of a stir <laughs> on twitter i this is, you know, voodoo murders is controversial and Taru coming back is controversial, but because the note is that it is one night only, I don't think that this is the worst thing in the world. So I'm really reluctant to lean into a lot of the heavy criticism I've seen lobbed at All Japan for this because it is a one night only thing. So again, I, I don't think that this is the end of the world, though I do understand why some people have reservations around it. So, yeah, I don't know if that's giving an official stance on anything or not. I don't, I don't know, but um, I just, I've seen a lot of, you know, really strong takes on this. And again, because this is one night only, I don't feel that this again is the, you know, the worst thing that they could be announcing right now. I think that we have enough going on that we don't have to necessarily put that much energy into worrying about this. Yeah, 100% agree. Also at the end of day six, Hokuto Omori confronted Hikaru Sato and challenged him for the junior title. And that also will be at Champions Night 3. This was a really nice, again, like another little, like almost, almost like a preview match in the end. I, I just really liked the chemistry between everybody. This was really good for Shotaro no-selling everything that Honda did to him, which if you like interactions like that, this is great for it because they were really entertaining. That was awesome. So I love watching Suwama direct his guys in evolution. That's always really entertaining to watch. To me, his relationship to all of them is so interesting to me. And then Amori, you know, being the, the challenger for, for Sato, I think that that's going to be really, really good and a way to see, um, you know, Amori step up and hopefully hold his own in a match against someone like Sato. So I'm really excited about that. I think that's a really good first offense for Sato. 
and it should lead to something very entertaining. And again, hopefully an opportunity for Amori to really um, start to step into his own. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. This is a really fun little turn of events. I am excited to see it. Champions Night 3 is looking really stacked. And um, I'm, I'm really excited to see if we have a good little uh, road to preview match with uh, Sato and Ashino teaming up against Honda and Amori. I think that's going to be a really interesting one, really compelling mm. given all the storylines we have going on. I didn't think of that. They could be taming out. But yeah, that's a good point. But um, the only thing I'm going to be disappointed is, is Amori does get to defend his All-Asia titles at Champions Night 3. But I'm happy him challenging Sato, though. It'll be good. So next we have sweet, positive, and funny moments throughout the month we liked. I couldn't stop laughing at Suji squishing Black Mansory when he was trying to do the next stream corner pose. I felt so bad for Black Mansory. He was stuck, but it was just hilarious. I thought he did a great job. <laughs> I thought Ishikawa looked fantastic up there um, mimicking their pose. Uh, one thing I really liked was uh, the Aoyagi brothers and their little Twitter exchange war. Uh, one was Atsuki posted this really great photo on Twitter saying, oh, look, it's the main eventer and his brother. <laughs> and of course, uh, Yuma did not take too kindly on that. It's a really fun photo to go look up. Yeah, as an older sibling, I feel Yuma's pain. Like you don't want your younger sibling to upstage you. And this is exactly what Atsuki was doing. Uh, throughout the month, we had trolling by Kobayashi. Every photo Kento put on Twitter, Kobayashi would put on a photo of his own, whether it be in bed or training with teammates, photos in the arena, outfits of the day. If Kento had one up on Twitter, Kobayashi put one up on Twitter. Something else I want to touch on is Dan and Kobayashi's friendship. Their backstage promo after he lost the Triple Crown match was so sweet. Suama did ask what is this on Twitter? So he doesn't seem like a fan of Dan's new friend. Also talking about Suwama, Ashino's mum gave him tea to give to Suwama and he later posted a photo of him drinking that tea. That was just so sweet. That was that was a really good one. You had pointed that out to us and I think we both <laughs> ran to Twitter to go look at it. Kento turned 33 on February 27th and he posted a tweet um, that is him at the forefront looking delighted. And then in the background is the other members of Next Stream looking less than delighted. And it's really funny for that alone. But then when you translate some of the caption, it's really sweet, but he kind of ends on this note in saying, I have no friends in the wrestling world, but I am a happy person who was adored by so many juniors, which is just really funny. But what I really love about those moments with him is that he will frequently say that he has no friends in wrestling. And that's, you know, a point in his, in his character, he is the, the best of the best. Um, he believes that he is peerless in, in wrestling, so he doesn't have any friends. But there are so many moments, especially after the reformation of Nextstream, that we can see how deeply he cares about his relationship with Yuma now. And Jesse points some of these moments out really beautifully in her new article about 
Yuma and the start of his main event push and those moments like in Yuma's challenge with Suwama, Kento holds the ropes open for Yuma, which is a really important moment and not a gesture you can take lightly with someone like Kento. And it really says a lot about how he views Yuma right now and his relationship to Yuma. So when he makes comments like, I don't have any friends, it's always really funny and it is a point in his character, but the way that he feels about Yuma right now is reflected in how he behaves with Yuma and contradicts that I don't have any friends type of, you know, attitude he can have about, you know, in his character. So I just think moments like that are really funny and interesting with him. Do you think that might come into play as we get closer to Champions Carnival? I think so. I mean, I, I'm like Jesse, I'm, I'm very much on a next stream betrayal watch. <laughs> um, I think that if it happens, to make sense in terms of the story they're telling right now between Yuma and Kento. I think to um, when they won real world tag league this year, Kento reached for Yuma's hand first. So you have these moments of connection between them. So I do think that to make sense in storyline, I do think that Yuma is, is going to inevitably be the one to betray Kento. If it happens, we don't know if it's going to happen, but there is always that like lurking thought because Yuma's done it before and Kento has the triple crown and we didn't think that Kento would have the triple crown right now. So we're in kind of a weird spot with some of these storylines, but yeah, I mean, I think it is an absolutely something to watch as we head into the triple crown and um, we've all echoed this before, you know, all of us are expecting Yuma to, to potentially win. And I think that if he wins and, you know, we see Kento and Yuma going head to head, I mean, the possibilities are sort of endless for how, you know, their relationship is going to go. And speaking of Yuma, those greatest nightmares that uh, Jesse mentioned about being an older sibling almost came to pass. We had this great support towel race. So they put these new support towels in the shop. They're really good. I ordered one for Ashino. And they had sort of a little competition to see who would get the most pre-orders. After day one, Otsuki was leading, followed by Kento and Jake. Yuma was not happy at all. He mentioned that there is no younger brother in the world who is better than his older brother. He was just very incensed about it. Um, however, after sales ended, Yuma did end up in first place, followed by Atsuki and Kento. So the day was saved thanks to the All Japan fans and their open hearts and open wallets. This was really fun to be watching. It was just two brothers just going at it. Like, you know, I want to stay in first place, Atsuki was saying, and Yuma's like, you know, no, I want to be first place. But um, I also think it's a good indicator about who's really popular with the fans. And it's top three was all next dream members. Oh, for sure. I think it's, I think it is a really good indicator. And I think that's sort of why they wanted to do this and do it that way. And it's good to see. And it's really good to see that Yuma ended up in first place. Like I cannot stress how much I want to see him get pushed even <laughs> further and further. And I know obviously you with your fantastic article talk about that as well. Some notes about March's tour next up. We have Dream Power Series and also Champions Night 3 will take place during March. Champion Carnival participants will hopefully be announced during March. They should be. I was surprised they, wasn't, they weren't announced in February. They usually are, but I'm looking forward to who's in the Carnival. 
Ashino and Ryzen Hayato will finally be appearing on the tour posters after signing in January. We also have Takao Omori tag teaming with Jun Akiyama for his 30th anniversary, sort of reviving Wild Burning. And that will be in DDT's show, uh, Judgment, that's going to be on March 20th. Also, I hope you all like Kobayashi because he is not leaving yet. He and Dan Tamora are challenging for the All-Asia title belts. So next up, we have question time. We did ask for questions on Twitter and we had some people respond, so thank you very much. The first one is from Stephen R. Jackson at STEJAY215. First up, now that Kento Mihara has defended the Triple Crown 21 times, is there a legitimate claim for him to be the greatest champion of all time? Well... <laughs> I think this is a really tough question because it's such a subjective thing. And Kento only just turning 33 actually gives me more pause than I thought that it would in a conversation like this. I think generally the strength of a champion's reign or reigns is it often comes down to the caliber of their opponents and the overall strength of the booking at the time. And I think Kento could be one of the greatest all Japan champions of all time or certainly is in the conversation even now for his achievements thus far, but I would not say that he is the greatest All Japan champion of all time yet. I don't think you can say Kento is the greatest yet. He still has a long career ahead of him. He can potentially get up there as the greatest All Japan champion of all time. He's in his fifth reign right now. He can take over Sawama's title of having the most title reigns. Sawama has seven and I can see Kento either tying for that or taking over. And he already holds the most defenses tied with Kawada. So, I mean, who knows? The next question we were asked is, as we are now in All Japan's 50th year, what is your favorite year in All Japan's history? For me, I only started watching All Japan in 2019. So I'm a relatively new fan. The only years I've seen fully are 2020 and 2021. So they're the only two I can go off. I am exploring All Japan's past, but very, very slowly. I'm not taking a deep dive into it right now. So <laughs> those two years, i got to say 2021 is my favourite. It gave us Yuma Two Belts, which was my favourite thing of the year. I think all the tournaments really hit the mark. Champions Carnival was great. Junior Battle for Glory was great. Both tag leagues were amazing. And it also contained one of my favourite matches. And I am begging you, please go watch this. The match is... Hikaru Sato versus Fuminara Abe at Junior Battle of Glory. It is under 10 minutes. It is just a great match. Go watch it. <laughs> Another thing I liked from 2021 is the Gora TV title being used again. When I first started watching All Japan, it was around Tatsu's waist. I thought it was about from another company. He hardly ever defended it. He has like a 500-day-plus reign, and it's not that impressive, to be honest. So to see... June Kasai out of anybody win the belt in a TLC match was insane. But then for them to actually use the belt, give it to Suji and then give it to Eerie, it's really become back, you know, as a proper belt and a proper mid-card belt that old fans desperately needed. What about you, Alicia? Because I know you uh, dive back a little bit deeper when it comes to all Japan. So what would you say your favorite year is? I struggle with things like this. Because I, you know, I can't like, I can't choose my favorites of anything. I can't choose like top of anything because like this stuff stresses me out. But it would probably be like 
93, 94, somewhere in there. When you get into like August of 92, you get into like Misawa's triple crown reign then. And that was the long one. That was the 700 day plus one. There's a lot of great matches in there. So it's probably somewhere within that 92, 94 range, but it's so hard because I, you know, I, I love late eighties and nineties all Japan. So for me, it's like, how do you, how do you pick a year um, within that time period when it's really like a phenomenal decade of, of wrestling? Cause I really just, I love and adore that time period and the storytelling so much, but that's where a lot of my, my passion for all Japan is, is, is within that time period. So certainly within nineties, all Japan, probably 92, 93, 94, somewhere in there. I think that's probably where I feel comfortable landing. That's awesome. There's a lot of really good things from the past and the present to check out then. And the last question asked by Steven is what has been your favorite all Japan match of the year so far? For me, I think that this one will end up being probably one of my favorite matches of the year, I would imagine. But I really loved Runaway Suplex first next stream from January 3rd, New Year's Wars. It was excellent. I still think about that match. It was just really, really good. So yeah, that's definitely my favorite so far. But I will say again, I really did love that Atsuki Sato match. So if you uh, if you walk away from this me- this episode with one thing, it's to watch the Atsuki Sato match from the February tour. Yeah, you definitely took mine. Is definitely uh, that uh, Runaway Suplex versus Next Dream match. It was just really incredible, and it just had my attention, had me smiling the whole way through. It was- just a phenomenal match. So I think that's my match of the year so far. We'll see if anything else tops it. I'm in agreement. I have the same match for my match of the year. <laughs> I think Runaway Suplex versus Next Dream was great. You know, Suama and Kento were great together. Uh, Yuma and Ashino had excellent chemistry as well. So everything just clicked and it was really good. The next set of questions were asked by Jason Hodge at J-A-H-O-258. As someone who usually just dips in for the Champion Carnival, where would you say is the best point to dive in for someone wanting to catch up on the current state of things in the promotion? The best point to dive in for someone wanting to catch up on the current state of things is the start of the year. It's really a new starting point for All Japan. They have a couple of title matches to start off with. It really sets up the year and it's leading to bigger things throughout the year. Champion Carnival is approaching quickly. And you can see things setting up for that, things setting up for Champions Night 3. So really start at the start of the year. And if you want to catch up on the current state of things, just listen to this podcast. We'll tell you everything you need to know. The next question I ask is, what are the key stories? Who are the key players? All Japan don't really have big stories like a lot of other companies. The biggest story was probably from last year with Jake's heel turn, but since then, it's just little things like feuds. It's really easy to get into key players. Kento, obviously, and you have Sawama, Yuma, Jake, Ashino. But if you really want to know all the key players on my Twitter account, Royal Road 72 I do have a list of all the wrestlers. If you would like to ask us a question about All Japan, please DM us on Twitter. Any questions, big or small, about All Japan's past, present, and future are okay. As always, All Japan can be watched at ajpw.tv for 900 yen a month. 
They have a mix of live and video on demand shows with video on demand shows being uploaded the day after they were filmed. If you're thinking of subscribing, right now is the perfect time with a stacked march, including a big Champions Night 3 and Champions Carnival right around the corner. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to Talking Triple Crown. We have a busy march coming up with some special episodes for you to look forward to. You can find me on Twitter at RoyalRoad72 and at Sister Jessie. And you can find us at Kickout299 on Twitter. You can find me, Rachel, at Milky Star, M-I-I-K-Y Star. And you can find me, Alicia, at Sharanui that's with two I's, on Twitter. Once again, thank you all for listening and we'll see you in March.